Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. Eat it. You know, I forget about her saying that every time, you know, every time she goes to say recording in progress, I always forget. But anyway, welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Brognar, the Onion young Brognar, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel podcast. I almost forgot which podcast this is. It's a little different than the other podcast we run, you know, the BDSM one. But anyway, the uh, last episode, uh, we're in the, uh, uh, you know, even I couldn't handle Threw yourself off on that one. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> admitted a little too much. I'm blushing over here. But uh, the uh, we are currently in the adventure, The Kings, and in the quest, uh, Ascabellum. In the last episodes, uh, our party have been boat-bound on the Wave Wraith, hoping to get to Ascabellum to speak to the king of Ascabellum. And uh, on our way there, we encountered quite a lot of difficulties, including, you know, doppelgangers and mutiny and strange attacks from these people uh ran into some issues with zombified sharks in the water we figured out that our party is not very safe out here and after having survived the mutiny killing about half of the crew more than half of the crew uh seven of the crew are subdued in the basement uh after the failed mutiny um our friend anton also tried to slurp the boat down in a whirlpool almost forgot about that fucking move but anyway Apart from that, the last thing that we encountered here was the captain basically explaining to you guys, Captain Brongella, explaining that without a full crew, there was no way this boat was going to make it out of here. And for that reason, it seemed the only choice we have is to go to the island of Bonebreak, the cursed pirate island. So for that reason, uh, I guess everybody's going to have to swallow that pill. So anyway... What would you guys like to do now? I figure it's probably in the dead of night when that whole battle took place, right? So would the party want to go to bed at this point? Because you guys are about um, half a day's boat ride from the island. Are we keeping the bodies on the boat or are we tossing them over sea? Ugh. There's a lot of bodies here. Well, I mean, the captain says that tossing the bodies overboard is going to attract a lot of undead critters but so long as you know they're the boat's moving while this is happening it shouldn't be too big a deal you know as long as they get sorry as long as you guys get out of there after dumping the bodies that way they'll probably be more interested in that one location than following a trail of blood you get what i'm saying so we just dump them all once and then book it hopefully is that what you're saying hopefully 
Um, if you happen to have a spell to help kind of direct the ship, or at least the waters, um, you'd probably be able to pull that I'm not off, sure but... if I can use it again. Oh, do you not have the spell slots? No. Well, I guess you guys are fucked then. Well, sorry guys, welcome to the next leg of the campaign, fighting zombie sharks. Yikes. Hope you brought your Batman brand shark repellent. No, I left that in the Batwing. Which probably would have made life a lot easier rather than riding in a boat across the sea full of zombified sharks. But, you know, I mean, should have, could have, would have. Am I right, guys? But uh, it only seats too comfortably. And <laughs> we're all about comfort. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if this campaign has told us anything, is that comfort really is king, you know? But, um, okay. So in that case, what's the plan? I mean, the third option Anton was going to suggest was burning the bodies, but that might not be smart to do on a boat. <laughs> I mean, you guys could just dump them and hope for the best. I don't think it'd be terrible. I think to that's. Do it. I think that's going to be our best option. I mean, I'm happy to cast. I wonder which would be more. I mean, I think you guys would be fine. I don't think you would need to cast many spells or anything like that. But is that what the party wants to do? Because the captain's cool with it. He's just worried about having a trail of sharks following him. But he sort of comes to a resolution with himself and sort of shrugs a bit. And he, he says, if they are following us by the time we get to the island, it seems likely that the sharks will be repelled. Oddly enough, the island itself, really not many undead things flock there. I couldn't really tell you why. All right, then let's get to work. And so with that, I guess the party, including Ock and Yig Kalith, take on the very unpleasant activity of tossing corpses overboard, including the strange and alien doppelganger body. Uh, yeah. And so after about five to ten minutes of this laborious act, did anybody keep any of the weapons or anything like that? I mean, I'd look them over at least, see if anything yeah. looked valuable. Okay, I mean, amongst the total crew, there's about 78 gold pieces in total that you can scrounge up amongst all of them. And if you were to take all of their weapons and gear that they have, that's not the makeshift crap that they had below deck, they have about 20 golds worth of, like, scrappable daggers and clubs and stuff like that. I don't know if anybody wants I think Clake is going to ask that we don't throw Hyren's body overboard and that we barrier when we get to uh uh skull break bone break bone break there you go um and so with that the guy kind of shrugs his shoulders and he says well i mean she probably won't begin to uh give off the odor by the time we get there we'll just keep her below deck tightly wrapped and with that he gives kind of a take care of that and as he starts to lead people to, you know, the different utensils and things necessary for, you know, taking over this grisly act, he kind of stops for like mid-step when he's heading off to go get some sheets and bundling to wrap up the body. Um, and he says, did, did you know her? Um, no, we just met, but she seemed to know about me and she treated me and Jarzak kindly so I think she deserves better than being tossed overboard 
And with that, he gives a couple of like side eye nods and he says, Shinobia, but you never met. I uh, can't help but feel like I feel the same way. And with that, he just kind of shakes his head off and he says, I don't know. It's been a really difficult night and I am very worried as to what happened to Lucky Dog himself. However, this, as he kind of points his boot down at the doppelganger, he says, whoever this is, I can only imagine what they did to my friend. And he just kind of shakes his head as if almost cleansing himself of all bits of guilt and pain in one single head gesture and moves on mechanically without any feeling on it. And so he just starts to walk below deck to prepare the materials. And you said Anton was the one to follow? Yeah, okay. I feel like Anton, Anton he would have the most experience with preparing bodies for burial. Okay. And so... Quick is also going to grab the uh, Tome Guard necklace off of Hyrule. Okay. Like, oddly deja vu. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's starting to seem like a trend. Um, but as you're out there in the dark with the uh, clouds above starting to clear up a little bit, stars in the sky illuminate. And as you're out there contemplating things, hanging out and sort of looking over you know, Hyron's body, you notice that your particular star out there begins to glow bright directly overhead. Mm. I think Klika sits down and looks at the star and sort of just thinks to herself about why she started this journey and the places it's led her and the people she's met and if anyone has been really better off with Klika around I think it's just kind of hitting her pretty hard what happened and that it was specifically because these people we're trying to target Klika and she sort of doesn't know if the star that sort of touches everyone else but doesn't belong to any of the constellations is a blessing or a curse at this point. Fair enough. And as Klika's sitting there looking off contemplating, what's the deal with Jarzak and Norhill? Uh, I imagine Norville is helping like catalog all of the equipment uh, that were on the people who were killed and just getting ready to help Jarzak, you know, heave ho them over the side. Right. Yeah. And I imagine Yig Kalath and Auk are both getting ready as well, stretching and cleaning off wounds and whatnot. Um, so as Quika is kind of messing around with the, uh, I mean, sorry, as she's staring off into the, to the stars rather, um, you notice something kind of scratch at your back in a very prodding, fe like feline kind of way, almost playful as it does. Does it feel more like a dog or a fox? Or what What was it? A jackal? <laughs> yeah, does it feel more like a jackal or a fox or a dingo? Well, I mean, it feels like a fox in, in physical ways, but in a metaphysical sense, it's got real jackal energy. Mm. I guess Klika will turn around to see what's prodding her. So as Kalika turns her head ever so slightly to see if she can catch a visual of this thing, sitting behind her is what could only be described as a fox jackal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what could only be described as 
a fox with hyper-intelligent eyes. I don't know if anybody's actually seen a fox like in person before in their eyes. They already have very scary intelligent eyes. But this thing looks to you in a sense as if like you could picture just like a mouth and and a nose and like just any other intelligent face. But as this humanoid-ish looking like fox creature looks up at you sitting down with its bushy tail flapping in the starlight, it pushes one of its little paws like at you as if gesturing for you. And then it leans over and pokes at Hyren's uh, belt buckle and just gives it a couple very strange, again, feline-ish taps as if like tap, tap, tap in that direction. Uh, I guess Clique will take the hint and check out what's on her belt buckle. And so as you go to pull at the belt buckle, your very keen little clique of fingers feel something of a small lever in the back of the belt buckle, as if some sort of very well-hidden locking mechanism. Uh, she'll trip it. Okay. And so as you flick it to the side, it unlatches with a very slight click, and the belt buckle folds open, revealing a small like secret space in the belt buckle. And as you look inside there, you see a tiny rolled up piece of parchment. So very, very small. Uh, yeah, Clicka will take it out and then seal the belt buckle back up if that's the only thing in there. Mm -hmm. And as you uh, seal it back up and glance quickly, the fox is no longer there. And instead you just see nothing. Just, just a blank empty spot. Almost so little space between her body and the side of the boat that a fox probably couldn't have even fit there anyway. But as you look at the small little note and open it up, it seems to, you know how there's like that, you know, that thing about how you can't fold paper 14 times or whatever. Mm -hmm. This thing just keeps unfolding until you have like a an incredibly large piece of parchment. I mean, granted, it's like an 11 and a half by eight, but like it started as a fortune cookie wrapper, right? So it's just this tiny little mini one opens all the way up and staring you in the eyes is a painfully detailed rendering of your own face and marked at the top is wanted alive to be taken back and it details sort of i would say like a tome guard compound and a listing of orders for who to bring it back to to the compound in faziri and faziri is the island which not only did yigkalath come from but it's known to be sort of the main layer of the tome guard and again it just details your description and again the picture is basically a polaroid of your face mm -hmm. Well, they didn't they didn't quite get my charm, but they did pretty good. And I guess Clicka will fold it back up. Um I don't think I know that Yig Caliph is from Faviri, is that what you said? Faziri. Faziri. Yeah, no. I don't I don't think so yet, but Dragonborn are known to come from there. So you'd probably just assume since they're already kind of a tight-knit group of, of species anyway, that it's like, that's just kind of, yeah. Okay. All them egg-dropping weirdos. But yeah, and so as you're just sitting there looking things over, that fox has no sign of ever having been there, and now you have basically a wanted poster from the other side of the fence. As if being on this boat, there was two separate parties looking for uh, taking you with them. 
granted there's no reward on here but i think the cold mechanical lawful nature of the tome guard almost makes it seem more sinister knowing that there's a bureaucratic order that had sent out this message like it didn't come from like one guy being like i'll give you 20 bucks like instead it's like it has been demanded by higher ups within the organization that you're brought here alive and well for reasons unknown you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. well clique is really getting popular and so at this point the uh, bodies begin to hit the proverbial water floor and with heavy splashes each of the bodies falls in very quickly in a conga line uh, sort of like a conveyor belt of arms the bodies flop over the deck and Uh, the materials are brought up to the top where Hyren is able to be bound, tied up, and given last rites by Anton, if so be his wish. Yes. Okay. Was there anything in particular you'd like to say? Um... (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to figure (laughs) out a way to say this that's not silly. Um... He was a righteous dude. Well, she. (laughs) A friend among foes. We hope to lay your soul to rest. Not in the weariness of the seas. But in the steadiness of the earth. May your soul be patient until we lay you to rest. Fair enough. Okay. And so with that, the body is escorted downstairs by Ock being the most physically immaculate and strong boy out of the gang. And he picks her up basically like a, like a baby and just cradles her, brings her down below deck to lay her in one of the storage rooms neatly on top of a prepared bed. And with that, the door is closed and locked. And sitting in the middle of the room adjoining this is a series of seven tied up individuals who are beginning to come to and are all kind of wriggling amongst themselves. So who's going to be talking to these weirdos? Luca just wants to kill them all, so she's not going to be the one doing that. <laughs> Dear God. All right, yeah, maybe is not the one to do that. The captain seems to be getting up on deck and trying to do most of the navigating and prepping the course to head out in that general direction. Um, I don't know which one of you four would be most willing to take care of that business of negotiation, but... Or just, I don't know, talking to them at all. Because it seems like each and every one of these guys is wriggling around trying to get some word out edgewise. But being bound and gagged is not um, helpful for that. I'll, I'll talk to them. Is there any that I was working close with, kind of? Well, actually, tell me with the crew. Actually, our friend with the name that's so very memorable that we all remember, right? Angor. Naturally, Angor. Right, right, right. Uh-uh. So with that, yeah. Angor happens if, to be a, amongst the ranks. And if he is one of the ones wiggling around stuff, I will uh, try to talk to him. Okay. So you pull off his little, uh, his mouth binding there and he spits it off with a sputter and he says, listen, dolphin boy, we can talk about this, I swear. Okay? Look, they just paid us a lot of money to look the other way, help out, take care of that goblin thing, kill the captain and bring it back to, to the bone break. Okay? 
But Dolphin Boy, it doesn't have to be like this. I meant it when I said it, that you, you got a lot of talent. We could definitely go far. I promise you. You can believe me. Hmm. Go far in what? I, um, a the, life of a, 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 the life of being a mercenary. There's a lot of money to be made. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I, I was going to say, is this where you have to break the news to him that you're already seeing somebody? Like, I'm yeah. actually already <laughs> seeing, like, three other people right now. And I just got out of a really bad patron breakup. So, like, now it's not a good time for me to switch parties. <laughs> but, um, okay. And with that, he says, okay, fine. Well, if that's not the case, well, what are you, you going to do to us? And they all kind of just are, like, looking so actively at you and with hope in their eyes. But a nice healthy dose of fear after hearing so many splashes off the Man, deck. I, was, I personally, for you going after one of my friends, was thinking about just grabbing you guys and start tossing you overboard. And they all start to lock up tight and tense up at this comment. But I don't, I don't think any of you want to get to that point. And they all start shaking their heads vigorously, saying no. So how about you start talking and let me know who hired you? Angor just kind of says, well, that, that thing, uh, the, the first mate, he's, he's not really the first mate. I, I know where he is. I can't, I'll tell you what, if you let us all go, I'll show you where they're keeping Lucky Dog. I can okay? let one of you go, and you can show me. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. And they all, all the other guys start to look very angrily at the one who just managed to seal his way out of this one. And he says, oh, oh but no, it's not going to be you that I let go to show me. Who else knows where this is? And with that, he says, I don't think anybody else does except for me. I know a lot of things. Angor knows a lot of stuff. I removed. <laughs> I, I go to one of the other ones and make it so they can talk. Okay, so you unbind the string bean guy right next to him who looks like he weighs probably 60 pounds and he's six feet tall. And as soon as you plop it off him, he says, he's at the prison at Bone Break. He's on the backgrounds. <laughs> and then Angor just closes his eyes and grits his teeth. And he's like, I could have told you that. It yeah, would have been this great. So this sounds like someone who wants to live. I huh. to live. Please. Yeah. Uh, all right, bud. I move that one specifically into like a different corner as to separate them. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, that's some good info. Uh, anyone else willing to live? <laughs> Angor says he's like, what? I, I heard that that guy came from uh, Aetherim. He was one of them shapeshifty uh, uh, doppelgugad guys. Yeah, uh, he was uh, He was real bad dude. Yeah, do you do you know who he was working for? Yeah. Shapeshifter. He had a lot of money. I know that yeah. much. So you don't know who he was working for? No, no, no. Well, I mean, yes, I do, but I, you just got to jog my memory. If I had the, the use of my hands and legs, I'd probably know a lot more. I put the mouth binding back on him and go find <laughs> one of the other party members other than Klika. Okay. As Kalika comes down with the dagger at the ready. <laughs> Shadow Blade. Just snuffs out the light and you hear the verbal components for Shadow Blade. It's like, oh. <laughs> like, uh oh. 
<laughs> okay. Um, uh, whichever one I would come across first, Norhill or Anton, I'll. I imagine Norhill was above deck doing the basic things, whereas Anton's probably still involved with the ceremonials. Turn bodies, take some time. Uh, Norhill, I'm not sure. Did we need any additional information out of the crew? Because uh, well, they gave me a little. Figured out why they did what they did and who they were working for. I'm not sure that we're going to find anything else out. I mean, all, they, they're just blaming the shapeshifter and they don't know who he was working for, so... In their defense, you did only ask Angor and the other guy was very willing to give information upon having the, you know, access to his mouth. So you might know more if you had the other five guys speak up too. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I planned to go back down. I just wanted to see if oh, okay. there any additional information that I missed, which, gotcha. which I definitely did. So... Make them sweat a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Make make them sweat in two different piles: the dead pile <laughs> and the alive pile. <laughs> this is messed up. Yeah, I Thanks. go back down there. I'm like, okay, well, I'll try and get it out of the others, maybe. Okay. And I head back down, and I remove the mouth bindings from one of the others. Okay, so the guy that you approach has probably the ugliest and meanest looking bowl cut you've ever seen in your life and probably the beadiest eyes on any sort of human being you've ever seen. He actually kind of looks like half gnomish. He's just very stocky and wide with that bowl cut. But as soon as you take the mouth binding off, he starts to kind of actively pant and you see he has two teeth in his whole mouth. Huh. I put it back on. (laughs) Yep. So, uh, but, uh, why are you doing this? Doing what? Uh, you know, attacking the goblin, trying to capture oh. Well, it's because the metal man had lots of money to give us. Okay. You can hear Angor's teeth grinding actively as he sits there, kind of like, all right, I'll 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 take in consideration what you said. I rebind him and move him to a, another separate corner and unbind one of the others. I'm like, <laughs> and I just turn and point to him, and I'm like, "You're a maybe." <laughs> I'll unbind one of the others that hopefully has more info. So the one that you happen to take care of is pretty much bald and sunburned, covered in freckles, bright piercing blue eyes, and a red beard. And as you pluck his binding off of his mouth, he says, Listen, I'll tell it to you straight, okay? There was a stranger who showed up on the island. He said he needed an inn on a ship heading to the continent. Amroth, okay? I heard this because... I'm friends with the sister of the first mate's ex-girlfriend who he graduated with at the Naval Academy, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, she said that he had always been one to do side deals and talk to strange peoples. Now, I had heard from my cousin's second-removed aunt that Aetherim was getting a lot of trouble with doppelgangers, okay? Doppelganger shows up in Bone Break, offers a lot of money to join our ship, couple of guys 
whack lucky dog over the head, throw him on the island, bada boom, bada boat. Okay, so all I know is somebody hired the doppelganger. Doppelganger got on the boat. Some dudes covered in metal apparently had a lot of business to do. Now, if I can get in the corner of the people who get to live, I'll tell you something very important. You gotta tell me first. Your captain that your buddy buddy with, he's not exactly wanted on that island. And I wouldn't be so keen on being friends with him. Yeah, I mean, I I thought we were, you know, as crewmates being pretty good friends for a bit there, but apparently you just don't know. And I will I drag him to the living pile. <laughs> and as you drag him to the living pile, he says, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I can tell you some more, too. Yeah, yeah, go on. Okay, so the thing is, I wouldn't show up to that island if I was you, too. See, I've spent a lot of time on Bone Break. And if there's this much money going around, for people like you, it is very well known that people are looking for people who look like you. And he looks at your metallic black gauntleted arm and he says, I don't mean any disrespect, but I think you stand out in a crowd. Hmm. But no one knows what I look like under the gauntlet. <laughs> With that, I slide it off and just wiggle my skeleton fingers at him. Because <laughs> like, that's pretty fucking gross. I'm not going to lie. Top five. <laughs> uh, See, there was this other time when me and my brother at his bachelor party back him. when he married his second no, wife. He's done. <laughs> you put the thing on his face. You're like, okay, and quiet. I can't so it seems dragging like... him to the maybe pile, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like that's about all you're going to get out of those guys. So from the picture you've been painted, Going to Bone Break sounds like a very dangerous deal. One, because the captain of the vessel is likely to be killed on site on a, upon entering the island. And it sounds like you all may be in sort of the same level of danger. And I'll, I'll ask the are last... we not in that level of danger? Yeah, I'll ask the last <laughs> yeah. couple too if there's anything additional <laughs> they want to add still. Um... Okay. I mean... Basically, the only other bit of information you can hear back from them under this level of duress is that there are a lot of bounty hunters who have been coming to the island lately, and quite a lot of dragonborn assassins have been showing up as well. So the idea that this kind of mercenary group that are very high pay are showing up to this island that's usually basically just sailors and drunks and losers and a bunch of a-holes, the fact that like high price tag people are showing up there goes to show you that this is pretty legit and a lot of dangerous people are around looking specifically for any clues of you guys. Okay. So with that, it seems like there's only one to drag out of here from the dead pile. Um, <laughs> and with that, I drag him out of the room and shut the door behind me. Are you talking about Angor? Yeah. Oh, no. So as you're dragging him up, you can hear him through the muffled mask. He just keeps yelling Dolphin Boy, but in very muffled ways. I get to the edge of the ship and put my forehead to his and Dolphin Boy will always remember you and toss him <laughs> over. Oh my god. So, 
<laughs> so imagine Norhill's on deck, the captain's on deck. I don't know if Kalika's on deck still admiring the stars, but everybody sees Jarzak lift a guy over the boat side, basically smooching distance, whisper in his ear and just drop him to the dead body pile in the water. Well, you know, it's not the first time we've seen Jarzak by his lonesome do something very brutal, but... You know. Jack, uh, Norhill sort of uh, hustles over to him. Should we not be allowing the captain to decide how to pass judgment on these individuals? Uh, that one was trying to get Kleeka. He's he's gone. The rest of them he can judge. Oh, I- yeah. With that, the uh, Angor meets a grisly fate much akin to the corpses down there. Um, and with that, the boat is ready to hoist up the sails and hopefully catch some wind to get out of here, heading towards the island. What would you guys like to do for the night? Or is it just bedtime for all? Yeah, no, well, Norhill definitely needs to rest and you know recover from his wounds. Yeah, I think Anton needs to finally sleep. Yep, sleep would be good. Okay. And so with that, Yig Caliph, uh, above the rest, says that she's going to take the watch for the evening and keep an eye on everybody. And when we're kind of in our own quarters, I will let them know that we might not be able to trust the captain as well. He might also just be bad. And I'll let I him do. know about all the bounties on bounty hunters and all that. So and the dragonborn assassins. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Anyway, Yig Caliph kisses everybody on the forehead goodnight and reminds them all that she is indeed a dragonborn assassin who happens to have demanded to come along for the ride. But the point is, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, and so with that, Ox sleeps on the floor much like a stone. And at a certain point in the night when he lays down, uh, he happens to look like a gigantic boulder, some sort of strange rock formation as he sleeps so soundly, he literally stops breathing. And not in a apnea kind of way, but in just he is half rock man. But yeah, so as you mentioned this about the uh, the captain, um, I don't know. Did anybody have anything they wanted to say about that? I get the feeling that we're not being given a lot of choices about who to trust in this situation. Best to just keep up our guard and do what we can until we arrive at our destination. Yeah, it's pretty much everyone's an enemy right now, or potential, except for us. Fair enough. Anything Anton or Kleeka want to say? No, Anton went to bed. <laughs> he didn't realize he hadn't sleep for, like, he didn't sleep last game. Like, when we had to tie the rest, so. Fair enough. So, using just the wind and the skeletal crew of trustworthy sailors that the captain has untied under the uh, discretion of Yigkalath's blades. Uh, the skeleton crew that we have on deck has been able to just barely get the boat moving, but as first morning light comes, the captain just really hopes that the party's able to help out in some way, shape, or form as traveling this direction is going to be very difficult and he's going to need all hands on deck. So what I would ask everybody to do is to roll me an ability score or an irrelevant skill and in some way tell me how they're helping the boat continue on its track. Just from, do I get advantage from all my knowledge of helping sailboats? Yeah, I'll give you the advantage on it. 
you you just you catch a great white zombie and you Jeez. hoist a body about three feet ahead of it and have the shark pull the boat. Okay. You know? so Wouldn't that handling. have been a great idea? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I'll give you advantage just because you've been helping the crew the entire time. Uh... Anson can help with survival just to make sure we're heading in the right direction. Sure, judging the sun and all that jazz. Since the sun yeah. does like to kind of change its direction of rising and setting, I, I, know, I think right? you might be the, the only one who can help us with this predicament. <laughs> so go ahead and roll a survival check. Uh, Norhill will use his strength to, you know, just sort of uh, be a general backhand, uh, helping at things that don't necessarily require a lot of knowledge of sailing. Sure, you can do athletics if you want to add the uh, proficiency. Okay. I got a 16, by the way. You got a 16? Yes. Okay. Uh, I rolled a natural one. <laughs> Norhill, you were made for the <laughs> land. You get seasick and throw up on the deck, completely removing yourself from helping. You let you literally like take one step onto the rope ladder, and you feel that vertigo of like you moving when the boat's not moving, and you just spins, fall down, throw up, and you're escorted to the bottom deck. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> that's written on your epitaph but anyway um the king of a proud and noble people right there yeah i ran inside and slipped on an ice cube <laughs> but anyway okay so what else we got uh can i make an acrobatics check to help out with some of the more finesse sure. stuff or sleight yeah, of hand nest and the ropes on the uh sails and whatnot i got an 11 Cool. Okay. And then what about Jarzak? I'd do a nature to make sure we're going with the winds. Have the sure. in the right position for the winds. Yeah. Sure. Helping with navigation. I got a 15. Okay. And so that the boat uh, minus the vomit stain from Norhill on the deck seems to be working pretty ship shape. And with the help of everybody, all the mercenaries here and all of the sailors that are left, the boat does pretty well to pull into the general vicinity of the island of Bone Break by about noon. Um, and I will say that over the hours of time that it took to travel out here, the captain seems to have made a decision about the six remaining and suggested that they can all stay. But when you guys pull up to what I would say is like, Again, the general vicinity of the island, as you can see, like other boats kind of leaving and entering a main dock side over here on the other side of the island. As you can see that it's got a large mountain that kind of crests in the middle of it. And it seems like one side seems to have the most gentle flat slope to it. And that's where it seems a small society is sort of perked up on the side of Bone Break, making like the majority of the place. Um, and you guys can tell that most of the boats are coming from here. But with this... You also haven't noticed any undead kind of floating around the boat at this point. And the captain approaches the party and sort of puts his hands into his belt loops and says, it's about this time I lay some bad news on you. I'm not going to be helping you out there hiring a new staff. I can offer you a sum of money and hopefully that'll be something to get a good crew going. And he pulls a uh, satchel off of his belt loop and jingles it around and tosses it over to, I guess, Norhill. No, I'm just kidding. No, he throws it over to Dolphin Boy. And so he tosses it over in your direction. And he says, I think it's a fair amount for what I'm asking 
but I'm going to please, please beg you, do not tell them of our true intentions. Don't tell them of what happened. We'll say there was an incident. We'll say there was Sahuagin who attacked our ship, and this is all we could spare for a crew. Don't tell them that you're working with me. Don't tell them anything about me or the Wave Wraith. Just tell them that the details are secret, and that's why the pay is so good. Can I ask why we can't tell them about you, at least? And you see, like, the tiniest twinge to him after being asked, and he says, I'm not well-liked here. Okay. With good reason, and I'll die for that cause. Um, we just wanted to let you know that we found out your uh, real first mate is being held in the prison on the island. And with that, he kind of like alerts and he says, by God. And he starts to kind of frantically look around and he says, what moon did we have here last night? I can't recall. And he starts to kind of look around frantically. And you guys remember that uh, the moon was nearly full, but not entirely. It's a, it was a waxing. Mm. Or, yeah. Right. And so with that, he kind of like grasps at his chest and he says, oh no. All right. I don't know how you'll be able to do it. Perhaps the guards are, are, are easy to persuade. And he starts to fondle around at his hands and he pulls off a golden ring with an emerald that's been notched into the center of it. This thing looks like it's worth about 500 gold pieces. And he slaps it into to Jarzak's not open yet hand and just like slaps it frantically into your hand. And he says, please. Just, if you can get him back, I don't care if you have to persuade them or whatever, but just get him back to me. I love him like a son. And he's uh, the only one who stood by me. Okay. Uh, why, did, why does the moon matter to him? Are and he you... says, if I tell you, I don't think you'll want to go to the island. I know oh, a lot. Are there these? Are there the were people again? <laughs> just were dolphins. Yeah. Just run around bashing into shit. I <laughs> mean, those sharks were like were sharks. They were oh no, zo- zombified were sharks. Zombie yeah. were sharks. <laughs> Wait a minute. Think of next, those fangs, <laughs> they're vampires too. <laughs> they just have two big fangs in the front. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with that, he says. I know a lot. I disobeyed a lot. And now I'm here because I need the assistance. We made it a short distance, but we won't be able to make it a whole trip. Okay. Uh, How much gold and stuff did he give me to get a new crew? There are 20 platinum pieces within. Holy moly, okay. And he needs 20 crew to join. Got it. He says that it's going to be about a week's more trek continuing this way if the weather permits to get to Ascapellum. So, okay. So, with that, the uh, party hop onto a small dinghy boat and bring all their gear with them. Would you guys like to take Yakalith and Auk with you? Yeah. I mean, if, if they want to come, that's fine. Well, Norhill won't argue if they want to come, but he won't specifically reach out to them either. Yigkalith seems to have sort of darting eyes at the six remaining crew members on deck and makes it known that 
even though these guys may have been scared straight, seeing the tables turn a little bit more in their favor, outnumbering the captain six to one, he is, you know, Yigalith is a little bit afraid that she might need to be here just in case, or Ock. So the question is, which one of the two of them would you like to take with you? I mean, you guys are kind of a team. I feel like you should both guard. Fair enough. And so with that, Yigalith and Ock kind of agree with this sentiment, and Ock brings the body of Hyren over to the boat and lowers it down with the uh, dinghy boat down to the water. Anton grabs it and settles it in the boat. Okay. And so the crew of four on this little tiny boat begin to paddle their way out. And because of the weight on this boat, having all of you guys on it, uh, the boat is pretty low to the water. And you guys are close enough to see the occasional fish swim by and having the nightmarish visions of gigantic zombified sharks the reality of this like 35 45 minute paddle back to the shoreline is made that much more of a sprint than a marathon knowing what could potentially be below the waters but having begun to paddle out it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with any of the fish and the water itself seems crystal blue and clear and it's just i don't know kind of luxurious all things considered And as you guys begin to get closer and closer to the shoreline, you can tell that the trees out here are like palms. The sands are all pretty much white and golden under the sun. And you see plenty of smoke arising from different chimneys on buildings on the shoreline, as well as a greater structure of settlement farther inward. You guys can see large um, boat docks have been set up here. And there's a large pier with at least 20 or so boats varying in size and greatness along the edge. But yeah, so as you guys pull up to the shore with the body, what would you guys like to do? You guys pull up, I imagine, in a direction that's not just like the front real estate to the island's Hilton Hotel, like just like right in the front by the kiddie pool. <laughs> just like, well, time to bury this turd. But okay. Can we try to find a little bit more of a secluded patch of beach. Fair enough. And so. Um, as you guys are uh, going off to a more secluded area over here by the sands, uh, digging up a hole with the shovel that was left behind in the boat is not too difficult as the sand gives way pretty easily. And you guys can see the waters kind of trickling at the bottom of the six foot deep hole in the ground. And as you guys begin to lower the body into here after about 30 minutes worth of effort, you guys um, are able to lower her in. But I will remind Klika as she kind of has almost like a flashback memory seeing the body for the last time that this person had such explicit direction of where to find her and what she looked like. And as you guys lower her in and Klika is pretty much given the moment to speak her mind, what does everybody say for their last words? Um, the Tome Guard saved Clico once. Um, they gave her a chance at the life Clica now has. They gave Clica the chance to meet all of you and go everywhere that we've all gone together. Um is not sure if she can trust the Tome Guard 
anymore, but she'll always be thankful to all of them and what they gave to her. I imagine that's probably kind of jarring having seen how she reacted to the first tome guard you guys ran across. And so seeing her react this way where she's like kind of almost second guessing her trust and judgment with them. I imagine that's a little bit, I don't know. I don't know. Did anybody else have anything to say? Uh, Norhill steps up. Uh, would that I had acted faster than you might have been shaved. Ouch. Anybody else? Anton just prays to the Illuminator to guide his soul to a safe place. Okay. I imagine Jarzak says nothing. No, it's not a jab. I just figure Jarzak's the one out of the group to kind of just give a nod and be like, all right, we got money to spend and a crew to find. Yep. Okay. All business. And so with that, the party covers up the, uh, the space and leaves behind only a mound. And as they head their way back about 40 minutes off the uh, beach line here over towards the settlement, you guys can see plenty of uh, deckhands and seamen out here just kind of hanging out on the dock and, I don't know, prepping ships and prepping cargo for long journeys to different lands. And people that you see out here look to be of such a variety as you've never seen before in a settlement, maybe only second to Dustwind, but you see even in the crew loading up the cargo, dragonborn, you see gnomes, you see goblins and orcs, you see a couple of hill giants and ogres out here who seem to be just kind of loading up big giant boxes onto here. But it's just such an an, an amalgamate of, of random peoples and whatnot. Granted, there's more humans than anything, but still, it's it's just kind of wild how many people there are out here. But this, in one respect, bolsters your confidence that sneaking behind enemy lines or coming in here sort of quietly might work out pretty well. But in the same respect, you guys are a very particular group with very particular descriptions, and it may not be easy to hide yourselves. Was there any sort of movement you guys wanted to do for maybe obscuring who you are? Or is that not even a bother for you? Well, Anton's not going to hide any of his religious garb because he he only understood that that would be a possible issue (laughs) to develop. So he's just going to fly his illuminator flag high. For Norhill, that would mean like going unarmored or changing his beard, and neither of those things are really on the table for him. Well, good thing we got four more of those, four more of those elf front potions ready and ready to go. Oh, yeah, is- oh no! <laughs> Who would have thought that would have come in handy here too? Uh, what about Jarzak and Klika? Uh, we probably want to at least try to keep you hidden. I don't know about me or the rest of the gang, but I know there's people obviously looking for you specifically a bit more than us. Um, Klika can wear a hood. Oh, that'd be good. Can you put a hood <laughs> you on? Never see that coming. <laughs> Klika puts a hood on. Klika, feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. 
a green gnome. But um, oh, now that I see your ears and your murderous teeth, it's a different story. But um, okay, so hood up Klika and the rest of the gang is fine as is. Is Jarzak gonna hide his arm or anything? Or uh, yeah, uh, he'll try to cover it up. Okay. I mean, if the intention was to hide yourselves, when you come out here, you would have been given from the crew and everything that's been salvaged large enough cloaks and, and shawls and stuff to cover your bodies up enough. Okay. And judging by the way everybody looks out here and dealing with like the winds and everything that bite and, you know, the way the sun works, there's a lot of people who are wearing heavy garb as is. So it's not like you guys look like you're all in trench coats and everybody else is in a bikini. Like it's, it's kind of normal out here to see people in full clothing. Um, and so as the party kind of cloaks up or whatever and begin to head in to the uh, major settlement here, uh, can I have Kalika do me a favor? Can you roll a perception check real quick? Actually, everybody roll a perception check. Okay. 11. Good. 13. Four. Anton? Eight. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> and so as you guys go walking into the settlement and perusing onto what would appear to be like a main pier that's sort of lifted above the beach, you guys can see tons of businesses stacked up on top of each other. And as you start to look around more closely at the architecture out here, most of these buildings are actually just like the remnants of ships that have been sort of broken in half or held sideways or whatever to make like houses and structures and buildings and sort of mishmashed and squashed together until it looks cohesive enough that it actually looks really nice. Like it doesn't look like a bunch of garbage. Like this place looks really well put together. And as you guys begin to walk around here, the quaint beauty of a island settlement made out of boat remnants begins to look more like a graveyard as you get to see the variety of people up close and personal noticing many ugly looks from a lot of strange people from strange lands as they look upon each and every one of you i don't want to say especially uh anton but anton wearing his illuminator flag high gets the jeers and sneers of many an onlooker as he's walking by but as you guys walk by the tobacco smelling tar smelling dead fish rotten stuff smelling piers here you guys can uh uh, shoot what was I going to say you guys can see that there's plenty of people who look like their only claim to life is just being a, a pirate a fisherman a brigand it doesn't look like this place has much for guild work or anything like that and recognizing this is only made amplified by the fact of how many taverns you see out here how many like walk up little bars and stuff like this how many inns there are that are just you know for one night only and it's just it slowly begins to seep in the farther you get onto the island, how much of a den of debauchery this place must be. As you hear so many fights breaking out in the street, so much yelling and screaming and people tossing each other around, gang violence as like one person swarmed by three, money taken. You guys every once in a while catch an eye of like a couple of hooded people making a quick glance in your direction and then turning immediately away people scuttling in in between buildings. It's just the place, the farther you go in, the more you see how worm-ridden the apple truly is. And um, I guess the question is, what would you guys like to do now for your next step of hiring a crew? 
Um, so Noriel's gonna look around. Is there like like a main like wharf master's office or something? No, and I would say for a place like this, it's so much of like a mercantilistic haven with no moral sense that the more you look around and see like open dealings in the streets, like there's just so many storefronts that aren't even storefronts and so much like black market dealings going on that like the idea of a wharf master seems to be like putting lipstick on a pig. Like it's just, there's no sense or semblance of anything organized that's not like organized crime organized. You get what I'm saying? It's all a little overwhelming. I'm not even sure I know where to begin. Begins to hyperventilate, throws up and slips <laughs> in it again. <laughs> He's got the spins. His lawfulness has been thrown off. It's too much chaos. Just goes through his lawful good sack and pulls out the wharf master hat, puts it on. I know my calling now. <laughs> Just goes and sets up shop. Seven dudes approach and start beating him up. <laughs> How many times we gotta teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> well, I want you to collect lawful taxes. <laughs> Very good. What were you saying, Ronnie? No, it's just a funny thing. Oh, okay. Um, thank you. I do what I can. But anyway, what would the party like to do to try to find a crew? Where would you like to head to? Just open up a lemonade stand, be like, hiring all sailors. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Work so, our way up from Super Weenie Hut Jr. <laughs> Just keep it. Sailor Hut Jr. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so as you start looking around and, and just like catching people who look swarthy and sea bound with like their weird bowed seed legs here, you stop the occasional sailor looking kind of guy. And one of them turns to you as you try to get his attention and he just kind of sneers at the group and spits at the ground. And he says, talk to me again, I'll gotcha. Couple other guys come walking by, maybe a little bit more sophisticated looking, but that almost seems to their detriment. One of them comes wandering by as he does and you guys get his attention. He mentions that he's got a job to do in a couple of days and he's just here waiting for another ship to arrive. And he says that if you'd like, he says he can point you to a place where people usually turn in by nightfall and you might be able to hire some people in one organized location. All right, where is it? And so he just points farther up into the island. You guys can see higher up on the hill. Uh, what looks to be like an entire galleon ship, just this big old ship that's been converted into a like a two-story tavern as there's just one big ship and a couple other ships just stacked on top of it, like a ship pyramid with a bunch of windows and stuff and puffing smoke out of little chimneys on different spots. And he says, that's called Silverfin. I'm sure you'd probably be able to find something there if you've got uh, the right coin. But I, uh, as he kind of looks back and forth and says, I've heard of you. That's not a good thing. You've heard and he gives a quick nod and immediately turns and runs away. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Maybe someone who's not me or Kleeka should try to find a crew. Oh, when he said you, he meant the plural. Like, he was talking about the whole gaggle of you. Oh, great. All right. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. It's not just you. It's all of you. 
Again, Norhill and Anton aren't even hiding who they are. Like, <laughs> Anton's walking around like a bishop, and Norhill's walking around with dwarvish plate of a king. Like, guys, there's there's no question as to who these two are. Guys, maybe we should split up to look for the crew. Yeah, Anton, go back to the boat, and the rest of us... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll split that way. No, I'm just kidding. So what would you guys like to do? Did you want to head towards Silverfin or keep trying to pull randos? Well, the, the Silverfin is probably our best bet. So yeah. the lead we've gotten so far. Okay. So walking up the hillside, the party maneuver their way up there. And every once in a while, you guys get bumped into by the occasional stranger. But as you walk up a cobblestone path up the hill uh, towards Silverfin, you guys see a giant a literal hill giant bumbling, bumbling down the road. And as he does, he looks to either be intoxicated or like half asleep or something, but his eyes aren't fully open. It's like three in the afternoon and he's just bumbling down the street, swinging left and right, just kind of like occasionally smacking into a sailor or two. And about 10 feet away from you guys, he just collapses, falls and starts rolling down the hill. And he just starts snoring loudly in the middle of the street. People just continue to walk around him as if nothing even happened and just continue onwards. And like, as his breathy, like snores come out in big giant gusts, you guys don't actually even smell a hint of liquor or, or booze or anything on his breath. And this is sort of where you guys start to recognize that old kind of saying about sleepy giants. And you guys having heard about dreaming giants and ogres and whatnot, hill giants and ogres being known for being particularly sleepy. Apparently this one just happened to collapse in a fit of sleep in the middle of the street. And everybody just sort of keeps walking by as if this is just what fucking happens, I guess. And so with that, the party continue on their way. And unless you guys wanted to stop and do anything with Sleepy Boy. No, or he'll just give him a nice black bar. Okay. And so with that, everybody walks around the hill giant who just snores and goes <laughs> with huge bass tones that seem to shake the doors of the buildings around you. But as you guys walk up to Silverfin at about four o'clock in the afternoon, you can see the place is already alive and well as a human body is thrown out of the front door of the place and begins to roll down into the thicket of trees and bushes down the big sloping hill as this place almost sits on its own like balcony of stone up here overlooking much of the island. And as the guy gets tossed out like a missile just falling off into the woods, a couple of the bouncers, it would seem, or just large patrons begin to wring their hands out and start cracking up amongst themselves as they get a good look at the party approaching, one of them points towards Kalika and lets out a couple of snickering giggles and sort of whispers something to the other big guy next to him. Unless that doesn't bother anybody. And then I guess the party proceeds towards them. So it's trying to keep a low profile. I mean, yeah, but it bothers Norhill, but, you know. Right. So Jarzak's gonna cast. <laughs> I pull up my blade. So I get out my gun. Um, and so with that, the uh, party approach the silver fin. And as you guys poke in and start to look around this place, it's immaculate and probably the most like authentic, fishy, like haven of debauchery you've ever seen. 
Like there are people within this place that look so salty, so so lecherous and evil that it's just it's cartoonish to an extent. You see people walk around with eye patches and peg legs. You see people who have like gold teeth and bandanas on. Like it is literally, it almost looks like a themed restaurant of sorts, right? And so at this point, as you guys start to look around for what appear to be seaworthy individuals, it seems like the crew that are in here right now from a quick look up and down and around, it looks like the like 50 or so people that are in here seem to be like the day drinkers and the, the people who aren't here to do work. It seems like the group of people who aren't really the ones you want to hire. And it seems like you're in at probably the worst time of day apart from closing, right? No, these are the gossips. They'll give us all the other information. Sure, sure. If that's what you guys want to do. Did you want to poke around and try to ask around? Well, we got to figure out where the prison is. True. Sure, we'll at least go in and find out where the prison is. Okay, fair enough. Anton personally wants to dig more into this whole Ascabellum, like, religious thing. He's still very much on, like, the... doesn't understand what the hell is going on over there. Okay. I mean, as you poke around specifically, you see some people who look to be dressed as people from Ascabellum would be dressed with large flowing robes and head coverings and whatnot. Not like, you know, head coverings as in, you know, like, you know, face coverings and all that jazz, but just wearing very large and flowy silk kind of clothing that can be pulled across the face, you know, depending on whatever the wind is. But as you guys... um, uh, so di- actually, did you did you want to like approach them specifically right off the bat? As you you do see somebody who looks the part. Yes. <laughs> okay. And I just I didn't know like if we to get into a religious debate. That's what I was gonna say. I'm like, if you uh, okay. So as you approach, you see uh, the look on this gentleman's face seem to shift between like a happy recognition. And then immediately slam dunk down into a look of like a very like perverse glare of like, what the hell am I looking at? It's as if you walked over to him on your hands. And so with that, he gives you sort of a weird look and he says in a heavy dialect, he says, are you of Avian? Maybe. What's it to you? <laughs> that is that is a that is a fact that is still not deemed factual, but possible. You imagine that, like going anywhere, be like, "Hey, you from around here?" Like, maybe it's a disputed fact, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, he just raises an eyebrow even higher to the point it's become part of his forehead, and he just sort of takes a couple steps back, points his mug of ale in the other direction, and says. Oh my god, look at that guy. He doesn't follow his gaze. I mean, he doesn't like fall for that. He just kind of <laughs> stared at him. So the guy kind of shrugs Hill's, and sits I mean, back uh, down. used to dealing with children. He, he knows these games. <laughs> and with that, he just shrugs and sits back down. I... He says, so if you're not around from around there, he says, then... Where are you from? He says, you are of Avian blood. I see it in your hair and in your eyes. As far as I know, I was raised in Glory Wake. Oh, that he spits on the floor as if like an extension of his body just demanded he do so. Ah, I see you're not a... 
see you're not a fan of my hometown. I'm I'm learning a lot of people aren't a fan of many things of my Whatever. Many people hate me all over the world. I am hated. <laughs> that he tilts his he tilts his mug towards you, almost in a faint sense of like asking you to clink uh, to clink glasses here. And he tilts it and he says, "I've killed many a, a a sailor of glory wake, and I've seen much blood spilled on that shoreline. A good place to do battle, and better people to kill." Well, I was actually hoping you could. Talk to me of your holy wars. <laughs> A different kind of bloodshed. <laughs> he kind of, he's asked, he, he, before he like talks to him, he's like, is, are you alright with me taking a seat? And he says, I would rather see you choke on your own fist, and I would rather see you die in the sea. You, wearing the Illuminator's garb with your blood, should be ashamed. And he spits on the ground and again, he says, but what do I care? I'm a deserter. It is quite sad. But it is also he, Again, sad. he lifts his eyebrow very high again and he says, yeah, very sad. Perhaps you should take that off and maybe learn to uh, respect Ira and your people. I don't care where you were raised, whether or not you had loving parents. I don't care. To disobey the calling of Yura. That is, well, a level of, uh, I guess, debauchery that even I'm not willing to commit. He spits on the floor again, and somebody steps in it and slips. Clinko's really just trying to hold herself back from casting, mending, and cleaning all this stuff up. <laughs> well, Anton just says, I, I would agree, but I come from place where I know nothing of what you speak of. Only in the last day, not even I've learned of what fate may await me when I arrive at Azkabellum, and I only hope that I am as much prepared as possible in terms of knowledge. Let's understand, I do not mean to offend, but I cannot simply deny what I've believed in my entire life. And with that, he just shrugs and says, well, so be it. There's plenty of people who follow Yura that love the Illuminator and welcome the warming grasp. We call them interlopers, and they're hated by all. But, you know, I mean, I guess you, you uh, fly your own flag. And he spits on the floor again. Uh. <laughs> and so... Yeah, as you stand here looking at this fit of debauchery and spitting on the ground and all that, uh, Glika sees that the bartender who was cleaning off some of the mugs uh, reaches at his his waist and grabs a rag that looks oddly orangish red with a white twinge at the end and begins to clean off one of the mugs uh, with a furry furry uh, uh, rag instead. And it seems all too quickly that Klika notices this. Uh, could Anton and Norhill and Jarzak roll a perception check real quick? Uh, that's a three. We are some Ooh, some perceivers in this group. <laughs> we percept. Uh, 18. 
six. Okay. Okay. And so that Anton's attention is drawn away from the spitting man as well to see what looks like the bartender grabbing a fox's tail and cleaning a mug out with it, not knowing any different. And as Klika is looking over and Anton's looking over, you see the tail quickly slip out of the guy's hand and he bends over to pick something up off the ground. Assuming he dropped a rag, the fox-like critter climbs up onto his back and springboards across barely touching anything in its path. And as everybody in the bar seems to be busy in their own place, nobody seems to see this darting like a bullet fox jackal critter kind of skirt across and climb over shoulder, under leg, over table, under chair, out to the front door where the door quickly closes behind somebody with the fox quickly running out behind it. And as it does, it leaps up to the window real quick and click on Anton being the only two who followed this, you guys look and you see the little critter at the at the window just kind of let out a couple windowed yelps that barely carry through with all the din and, and rabble going on within the place right now. And at this time, it's about 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, and the sun has well enough set. So, it sounds like bewildered by that. He wants to follow it. What about Klika? Klika would like to follow it as well. Okay. And so as the two of you begin to walk out this way, um, who's in the front? Because I, I imagined Klika because the Anton sat down and I assumed Klika was always... Oh, I didn't know if I sat down. It sounded like he would rather kick my ass and sit down. Well, I mean, the religious like talk amongst the two of you, it seemed like the kind of thing you'd sit down to talk about rather than be like, yeah. well, my personal religious philosophy, uh, I feel like that's a sit down talk. But he, I don't know, he never said you couldn't sit down. He was just being very swarthy and annoying. But, okay. And so with that, I imagine Klika with her experiences with the fox thing are probably a little bit more amicable and probably a little bit more interested and thus she's probably the quicker at the draw to head out that way. Unless I'm incorrect in this belief. No, mm. I agree. I think Anton would like rubbed his eyes for a minute and been like, what the, f- what the hell was that? And then you see Klika start darting that way to go answer the fox doggy at the door. And just goes running over that way, like hands in front, like a fucking rug rat, just like, ee! but as you go heading off that way and you see every one of the bouncers seems to be looking somewhere else. All the conversations seem to be turned away from the door for a split second. Klika pushes the door open quickly. And as you approach the doorway, you see the little fox jackals seem to dart away from the window and rush over to the door side. And as the door flings open and in, for one split second, you see what could only be described as a reflection of the metallic portal, the strange space-like dimensional space that appeared within the metallic portal, appear in this portal of the doorway of the tavern. And for one split second, as if Klika walking through a bubble wands bubble mixture, it just pops around her space. And the Klika that you know and love as she walks in and is wreathed in this bubble-like substance, disappears entirely from all of existence, leaving absolutely nothing behind. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons.